you could please pray, Come Holy Spirit, with me three times. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit fall down upon each person gathered here right now. Come Holy Spirit. And please help us receive the loving gaze of Jesus the king of the universe. And I make all these prayers in the most holy and sacred name of Jesus, who is Lord and King forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a, a pleasure and an honor to have you all here this evening on this huge feast day. It's a, actually a solemnity in the Catholic Church. And as we gather today, it's it's one thing that I was thinking about was looking over these readings is it comes down to two words. And I would say it's, it's, it's captivated or isolated. And I bring those words up in particular because if you've ever been captivated by something, it's, it's, it, it draws you in and you don't want to get, take your eyes off of it. And what I'm talking about mainly is, is the loving gaze of Jesus. If you've ever been, you've ever been pierced by his love, that's that's a game changer. You, you can't erase that. And it changes everything you do, why you do, what you do, where you do it, when you do it. But a lot of us have never received the loving gaze of Jesus. Either because of shame or guilt, or you've never presented the true person of Jesus. And it doesn't lead to being captivated. It actually leads to being isolated. And especially in this past year and a half, two years, this pandemic or whatever it's been, it's, been, it's led to most of us not being captivated by the love of Jesus, but actually more to being isolated and being kept apart from the love of Jesus. And there's so many opportunities for you and I to to grow in our faith each week. And I just wonder how many of us um, are actually even trying to remain in the loving gaze of Jesus. And often when we don't, we isolate ourselves. We can do things we, we don't want him to see. Because inherently, whether you're a Christian or not, uh, you, you know that what you're doing is, is, is not right or it's not wrong. And it's not okay with what you're created for because you, you, you and I are created for the love of Jesus. So I just have a few questions for you to help us move more deeply into today's liturgy. Our first question is, have you ever fallen in love with Jesus? And if not, why not? And if you have fallen in love with Jesus, then my question is, when's the last time you fell in love with Jesus? Because Jesus, who is God, which is like a crazy claim, and God is love, right? He's a king. But he's unlike any king you've ever met in this, in this world. We see all these kings who are way up there, yet he's humble and he took on our nature I'm taking our flesh by becoming one of us. He's humble. He's also very rich, right? But his kingdom doesn't belong to this world, but what he's rich in is something that helps us not be afraid. He's actually rich in mercy, which means we shouldn't avoid him because his loving gaze is full of mercy. And a lot of us think, you know, God's, if, if there is a God where you're at in your life, 
he's probably way out there. That's called agnosticism, right? It's actually not where God is. Um, because maybe we think if, there, if he is who he says he is, I'm not worthy of him because maybe I've done something I'm not proud of or somebody has done something to me which makes me like damaged goods or I'm not good enough. Um, but by the fact that God became one of us in Jesus, that means his desire is to be very near to us. And actually so near to us by taking on our flesh, he wants you to share his identity as being a child of God. So you wouldn't have to question who you are or what gives you worth. All of your worth and my worth is found on the cross where he purchased your identity. He paid the debt for all that shame, all that guilt that you and I have gone through, whether it was our fault or somebody else's fault. He took it all on himself. And then because he paid it all, it means you're free to accept this loving gaze, to accept this relationship or not. And he's, this king, this Jesus, is unlike anyone you've ever met or even can meet. And our world likes to compare Jesus to Muhammad and Buddha and different world leaders, and he's unlike any of them. Jesus, you know, he's, he's above us, but he's also, he's also below us. For he was raised high on a cross, and no king has ever done that out of love for his people. To show us his infinite love for you and for the whole world. But then he lowered himself by taking on our flesh and being born in a mess, being born in a feeding trough. And for some of us, that's that's how we feel, like our life is just a mess. And that's literally what he was born into, which is like really good news, because that means he's not afraid of going into or helping you with whatever you're, you're, you're going through. And rather by saying, you know, I'm going to lord my authority over you, as most kings would do, Jesus actually is a servant king. We see that in particular, before the Last Supper, he gets on his hands and knees and he he takes care of Peter, our first pope, and he washes his feet. And and Peter's a lot like me and you. He's like, yeah, maybe just my feet, which I personally think Peter are gross. I'm like, I would have been right there with Peter, right? But he's like, maybe just my feet, but... The Lord looks at him with that loving gaze, and then Peter says, not just my feet, Lord, but all of me. And that's what the Lord wants with with you and me, right? He wants all of you. He wants his loving gaze that comes primarily from the cross, which is just pierced. He wants that, that same piercing love that pierced people's hearts on the cross. He wants to pierce you with his love. But he wants to pierce every part of you, head to toe, your body, your mind, your soul, your heart, your hands, and your feet, so you live differently. And what keeps us in love with Jesus is doing a few things. And I think one of the things is, is taking, first of all, taking a deep breath. So why don't you just do that? Take a deep breath. And also just slowing down. So often we just, we just move so fast. And we wonder, why am I anxious? But gazing is a slow thing, right? And I fear that a lot of us in the past year and a half, we've fallen into this deathly habit of keeping our eyes off of Jesus. You know, when you and I put our eyes on politics, we put our eyes, our eyes on our GPA, or we put our eyes on how much money we have in the bank, 
Like, how good of a person are you? Or how good of a person am I when we do that kind of stuff? I was once told that if you want to kill the Holy Spirit in any situation, just start telling everybody your opinions and start telling people your, telling people your political views. I would say it's probably pretty true. And the Holy Spirit is actually said by a lot of theologians, the Holy Spirit is that loving gaze between the Father and the Son. And that, that Spirit desires to be in you. And I, I know for myself, I'm far from perfect at this, but when I'm at my worst, I'm not even considering how much God loves me. I'm not even considering his loving gaze upon me as a beloved son. I'm not even considering that. My eyes get caught up in, you know, what, what the Packers score was, even though they got their butts kicked today by a really bad team. Um, you know, or, or, or I'm looking at uh, what the president is doing, or I'm looking at what these people are wearing, or where I'm looking at all these things, and, and it, it has nothing to do with remaining in love. And then I get very judgmental. I get very impatient, and my words are sharp and they're harsh. And it pushes people away. But when I'm at my best, I, I pause and I just consider for a moment, I take a deep breath, I consider how God sees me as his beloved. And then I pause. And then I also have a, a chance to consider how God gazes upon all of you as his beloved sons and daughters. And it amazes me how much the God of the universe, the king of the universe, Jesus, loves you. But I fear, again, a lot of us have never accepted the invitation to receive, to just to receive the love of Jesus. Because we think that I have to do something to gain his love. I have to do something to make him love me. But again, he's done it all on the cross. So you just have to say, can I, can I feel it? Can you show me? But remember that we, as we hear in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, that love is patient. Love is patient. So it might not happen just like that. He's not, a, he's not a genie. He's not a vending machine. He's a loving God. And if, and if we don't get the fact that, that Jesus loves you, like that fundamental fact that no matter what you do, he loves you, and only his loving gaze saves, then everything else we do does not make sense in this world. Everything else we do does not make sense in this world. But when you have a sense of his love for you, it changes the way you treat people. It changes the way you do everything. What major you take in college, who you discern to be your spouse, what vocation, am I called to be a priest, a religious sister? It changes everything. I just want us to look at a few words from the Mass. I want you to just to think, are you in love with Jesus? Are you aware of his loving gaze? Or are you, have you been isolated and, and also, are you going through the motions in life a little bit? Because every, every time we have Mass, we say these words, and it's called the collect. So I'll have my hands like this, because I'm collecting all of your prayers, and I'm really, literally raising them to the Father. And I'll close by saying the second portion of the prayer. It says, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. And you all say, Amen. That means I believe. So be it, right? But do you believe that Jesus is alive? And do you believe that he reigns? Like we just said, Jesus lives and reigns, and everyone says, Amen. Do we live with that reality in our hearts? And if so, 
then why do we try to take the reins so often, try to control things? Like, God's got you. He's the king of the universe. He created all of this. A lot of times he's just asking us to slow down, take a deep breath, remain in my great gaze. Like, remember what I've done for you? I'll get you through it. And also at every Mass, the priest says, when we're, when we're um, just after the Our Father, I'll say, deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may always be free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone responds with, for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. I wonder if we understand what those words mean or if you're like me for the first 20 years of life, you had no idea how much Jesus loved you and how much he desired to be with you and his love pierced your heart. Like when you say for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, you're saying I surrender everything to you, Jesus. Take the reins, you take control of it. I don't want anything to do with this unless you are willing it. Like those words are extremely offensive to a world that says, you do you. You take care of yourself. You build up your status. What you're saying at Mass is it's your kingdom. I don't even want it. Like, you take it. I want you to have all the power. I want you to have all the glory. I just want to remain your loving gaze. That's all I want. I want to know I'm a beloved son, a beloved daughter. I know that you got me, and I surrender. Those words are so different when you understand how much this humble king loves you. And when we live life in love with Jesus, the king, there's also something that you start to desire to surrender everything to him. Because you realize when you try to have control over things, you're almost always the worst version of yourself. And your anxiety raises, your stress raises, and before you know it, you're doing things that you'd rather not even admit that you've done. But with the Lord... I want you just to look at the Lord with me. When you look at Jesus on the cross, it's not a condemnation. His head is bowed down to kiss you. His hands are open to embrace you and hug you. His feet are nailed in obedience to wait just for you. And his side is pierced and water and blood wash, come out to wash over you, to wash over all of your shame, all of your guilt, all of your sins. And if you and I can keep our eyes on the cross or even start with our eyes on the crib, the, the, the advantage is, is you have more peace. And you talk about things that actually matter. And it is because of that love we are called to surrender and pray to be transformed by his loving gaze. That's why St. Paul said in his letter to the Romans, he said, brothers and sisters, I beg you through the mercy of God to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, your spiritual worship. But then he says this, he says, do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may judge what is God's will, what is good pleasing and perfect. So Jesus wants to transform us from this heaviness that you and I carry around. And he even says 
to transform us with the truth. In our gospel today, Jesus ended by saying, you say I am a king, for this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice, and you all belong to the truth. And truth is not a word. Truth is not a thing. Truth is a person, and he's a king, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he is madly in love with each of you. Even when you feel like you don't deserve it, his love is relentless. And until you and I get that right, until we receive that, nothing we do is going to make sense. Nothing. No thing. And it's all about remaining in love. I just want to close with a quote from a priest. His name is Father Pedro Arupe. He's a Jesuit. And he says these words. And as I, as I read these words, I just want you just to, just to put your glance, your gaze upon Jesus on the cross. And he says this. Nothing is more practical than finding God than falling in love in a quite absolute final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. He says, fall in love. Stay in love. And it will decide everything. That means that you and I have a choice to stop, pause, pray, take a deep breath, and remain in his loving gaze. And one way you can do that is by physically slowing down. If you ever feel rushed to do anything with God, that's not God. God is patient. He will never rush you. He'll never force anything upon you. But he sometimes will let you know that it's time to make a decision and you'll have you enter into dialogue. So our goal this, this week, this day, this evening is pretty simple. It's to remain in his loving gaze because it's meant to captivate us so we're no longer held captive by anything else. Otherwise, our only option besides that is to be isolated. And Jesus loves you too much to isolate you. Amen.